Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. We're currently reading Refactoring, the Ruby edition, and we're on chapter six, Composing Methods. This week, we're going to look at Introduce Named Parameter, Remove Named Parameter, and Remove Unused Default Parameter. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. I'd like to start with a shout out this week to Alex Yaras for being such an awesome follower of the Ruby Book Club. So he has put together, he's been reading Refactoring Ruby on a Kindle. And obviously, we are putting the page numbers of the book, of the PDF. And so he's made a little handy repo with the Kindle location to page number conversion. So for anyone that is reading along with a Kindle, you can check that out and we'll put the link on the page. And the other cool thing that Alex has done is that inspired by the 99 bottles refactoring that we've learned, the the refactoring methods, he's been applying them to the refactoring Ruby um, examples that we've been going through week by week. So he's been building up a test suite and then, you know, finding the smallest difference, stuff like that. So refactoring the examples. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Alex is a true fan and a true, uh, was a dedicated reader and learner of Ruby officially by doing this. So big shout out to Alex. Thank you so much. And just two other interesting points about Alex. One is I've worked with him before when I was at Pivotal. He was a client of mine. So that's how I first met him. And we had so much fun pairing together. But the second thing is, now you probably won't remember this, is he's the first person to introduce us through Twitter. Really? Yes, he, tweet- oh, cool. he tweeted at me one day or both of us saying, you two should meet. Uh, and I was kind of like, my first, I, oh, I was wow. a bit suspicious at first. I was like, why have you randomly chosen the two of us to meet? And it turns out we did have, <laughs> yeah, I was very like, mm, okay. <laughs> but it turned out that we did have a lot, of com- lot in common. So it was really cool. I love Alex. He's wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Alex, for for that connection. That was Obviously, that has worked out really well. <laughs> so how did you find this week's reading? I thought the reading was pretty good. Uh, it was, it, it had a couple of things where it made me think, hmm, that doesn't feel like that's that much better. Um, it's just, you know, it, it was kind of one of my concerns with the book, just looking through the, just the number of different methods and tools that we have is wondering if this was a kind of a catch-all for all the options that has ever existed versus recommendations of tools that are good, if that makes sense. Like I see what you're kind saying. Of, I was, you know what I mean? Like I was worried it was going to be like, a, okay, what are all the possible things in any possible situation that we could possibly do ever? Uh, and in in the in this selection, particularly with the three that we're going to go into, it kind of felt a little bit. It didn't necessarily, I didn't look at it and go, oh, wow, that's going to really help me clean up my code. It it kind of felt like, yeah, I guess that's a thing I could do. What about you? What do you think? I see what you're saying because, you know, I mean, looking at introduced name parameter or remove name parameter, there are two things that, well, particularly introduced name parameter I've done often, but it just seemed like a little natural, obvious thing to do at the time because it's like, oh, I've got four right. parameters. It's really helpful if I name them. Right. <laughs> and so as opposed to looking, because, you know, when I came to reading this book, I'm like, yes, I'm going to finish this book maybe and have like 10 key ideas that I'm going to take away and have in my toolbox. And so I guess I see what you're saying because there's this distinction between 
that I guess each different person who reads it will will have, which is, wow, these are some really cool new key ideas that I've never done before that are going to be really beneficial to refactoring my code as opposed to, oh, this is stuff that I just do without even thinking or seem really obvious as opposed to this this cool new tool. Yes. And even the two examples that you mentioned, introduce name parameter and remove name parameter, those are exact opposites, right? And, oh, so, so, saying, and mm-hmm. so even when we talk about, um, it, it, it started to feel more like just a catalog. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's not, not that mm-hmm. that's less valuable, it's, that's, you know has its own merits, but you know a catalog of all the options and the fact that there are two recommendations back to back that are directly contradicting each other kind of validates that feeling of, okay, here is just a really long list of things that we could do. Yeah. So shall we discuss introduce named parameter? Let's do it. So introduce named parameter, this is where you've got many parameters in a method call and you can't easily work out what each of them are. And so you convert the parameter list into a hash and then the keys of the hash are going to be the name of the parameters. So for example, if we had something like search criteria.new and then we pass in five, eight, and then a string with 10 digits in. We can't tell just by looking at that what each of those things are. But if we were to look at an improved version, it could read search criteria.new, author ID five, publisher ID eight, ISBN 0201, etc. So obviously the, the motivation here is that looking at this improved version with the named parameter, it's very easy to work out the behavior of an object, what what the inputs are, and therefore what are some of the things that it might do given these inputs. And so the mechanics of this are very straightforward. Now, and and I just want to check if I'm right on this. Step one says, choose the parameters that you want to name. If you are not naming all of the parameters, move the parameters that you want to name to the end of the parameter list. And then step two says test. Am I right in thinking that there's a there are many worlds in which step one, you don't actually do anything? <laughs> yes. If, yeah, right? Okay, I just want to double check. Well, so I guess the world would be if... Yeah, no, yeah. You just right. go, oh, I am going to soon name this one, this one, and this one. And if they're in an yes. order that it's fine because you're going to name all of them, then you don't do anything. You're just checking your tests are currently green, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Good catch. Yeah, okay, cool. And then <laughs> the next step is then replace the parameters in your calling code with the name value pairs. Then in your receiving method, so most likely I think an initialize, um, you would replace the parameters with the hash object and modify that receiving object to use the hash. And then you'd run your tests and check they're all green. So in example one, we have naming all the parameters. So we start with a class called search criteria and we have adder reader and then we have the key author ID, the key publisher ID and the key ISBN. And so we have our definitionalize, and that takes in three parameters, author ID, publisher ID, ISBN. And then in the body of that method, we are setting our instance variables. So we have at author ID equals author ID, at publisher ID equals publisher ID, at ISBN equals at ISBN. So if we were to create a new search criteria, we might do search criteria dot new and then passing in five comma eight comma and then the string zero eight zero one four eight five six seven two, which is our ISBN. And so the problem here is that without actually looking at what our search criteria class looks like, it's hard to figure out what are all these things. And particularly because we have the first two, which are numbers, and the last one, which is a string of a number. So even that's like, wait a minute, why is this mm-hmm. thing different from the other two? Uh, and without 
the names of these parameters, we just don't know what's going on and, and how the search criteria is being created. So instead, what we want to do is we want to call search criteria.new and we want to pass in key author ID with the value five, key publisher ID with the value eight, and key ISBN with the value 0201485672 in the string. And so the first step is we basically create that and we pass in the key value pairs in that constructor. And then next, we're going to look at the initialized method and we're going to rework it so that it takes in a hash. So back in our class search criteria, we have our definitionalize. And instead of taking in our three arguments, we're going to take in one argument called params. And then in the body of that initialize method, we're going to pull out different key value pairs. So instead of having at author ID equals author ID, now we have at author ID equals params, and we're going to find the key author ID. Then we have at publisher ID equals params, finding the value for the key publisher ID. And then at ISBN equals params, looking for the value for the key ISBN. Whew, that was a lot of reading. <laughs> <laughs> you did it well. So next, we talk about how this is a lot cleaner, uh, and it's definitely a lot nicer and, and easier to look at. However, we still have to look within our initialized method to figure out what the, uh, what the required parameters are uh, and what's being pulled out of that hash. So we talk about using the method introduce class annotation, which we talked about last week, to declare the initialized method. So what this means is instead of just having our class search criteria and then going right into our definitionalize hash, instead we have class search criteria and then we have the line hash initializer and then it's taking in key author ID, key publisher ID, key ISBN. And then we create a method called def hash initializer, which we're putting into our module custom initializers. So we have our def initializer, and that takes in splat attribute names. And then we have define method with the symbol, taking in the symbol initialize, do splat args. And then we have data equals args dot first, and then the or operator empty hash. And then we're going to go through all the attribute names that we uh, brought into our method. So we have attribute names.hdo, attribute name, and then for each one, instance variable set, string at, interpolated attribute name, end of string comma, data, attribute name, end, end, end. So the argument for this, which I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> argument. Uh, so the argument for this is that instead of having to look within the initialize method, we can just look immediately at that line and go, <laughs> okay, we're initializing using these three things. But <laughs> I don't really feel like that's that much clearer. It's like, you know, it's like we've abstracted the complexity of creating that hash initializer, which if you just look at it, I mean, you have no idea what's really going on. I, I think it's one of those methods that you're used to seeing. So you know what's going mm -hmm. on. But if you haven't seen it before, it's like, wait a minute, what is what what is going on here? Uh, and then the fact that you have to have this new module, it just seems like a lot of work mm -hmm. for, you know, saving us the the time to just like look in the initialize method. I did think it was pretty funny when you yourself were explaining it and you went, so instead of looking inside our initialize method, which as you say, you can look at it and glance at it straight away. <laughs> so in the time that you took to say that, I mean, you yeah. can look at it and go, well, do I do? Publish ID, SPN. <laughs> but however, if there were many more methods that were going to use this hash initializer, then, you know, perhaps there's an argument for it like we discussed last week. But I did think it was a, a funny addition to this section 
<laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, right? Is it, it made me, and, and even now, I'm I'm trying to remember what the justification was last week, but I'm I'm trying to think of is the is this a good tool for when we have ten things that we're passing in? In which case, is the fact that we have ten things to take out of our hash is that a problem? That's like, is lot, that yeah. is that a, nev- a different code smell? You know, it, it kind of mm-hmm. it was it was hard for me to look at this and go, oh man, I can really see when this is going to come in handy because it just feels like we're adding complexity to save ourselves not really much of anything. So, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't totally sold on the solution. That's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of introduce class annotation, it's more if you keep doing this pattern of taking things from a hash, then you can extract out that logic. But then again, I also do see a point where most times you have two to four parameters. And so... I mean, it'll save you. And that's four, recommended. Yeah, and it'll save yeah. you four lines per class. So, yeah, maybe someone out there has a strong, stronger justification for it. Yeah, because I can't personally imagine writing a custom initializer for this. Like, I can't personally mm-hmm. imagine getting to the point of being like, "Oh, I keep writing at variable name equals hash symbol variable variable name." I'm going to write a custom initializer. Like, I, I right? Yeah, I mean, the only I'm trying to think of you know one example might be if we're using an API. And that, you know, API returns an object that's just really like a hash that's really, really big and just has a bunch of stuff in it. And um, you know, and in that case, maybe, you know, we, we can't control the fact that it has 13 things that we may want to use. So like that would be, you know, an example. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to to hear if there are really, you know, strong cases for when this is an obvious tool that would be helpful. Cool. And so then we go on to a second example. And this is where we're naming only the optional parameters. So often you can have optional and required parameters, and it's the optional parameters that that you're interested in naming. So we have some SQL building code. So we've got a class called books, and there's a class method inside called uh, self.find. And that takes three arguments. The first one, selector, the second one is called conditions, and that's got a default value of an empty string. And then the last one is uh, splat joins. Uh, and the body of the method reads SQL equals, and then we've got an array, and inside that array, it's got a string which says select star from books. And then joins.each do join table. And then we've got the SQL array, and we shovel in first the string left out to join, interpolate join table on. And then we shovel in books dot, and then we interpolate join table dot two s dot chap uh, underscore id, and then we uh, shovel in equals join table dot id end, and then we shovel yet more things into this SQL command uh, <laughs> where conditions unless conditions dot empty. So that's where clauses to the SQL statement. And then we shovel in limit one if selector, which is the first argument, equals equals first. And then we do connection.find and then we pass in SQL.join. So basically we join together all of the strings that are in that array and we call that on the, on the database. So in this thing, conditions and joins are optional, but selector is definitely required and selector is going to be all or first. So if you've got all, then you're going to bring back all records. And if you're just calling first, then it's just going to bring back the first record that meets the criteria. And so there are many different ways that we can use this code. So some examples of calling code are books.find all or books.find all 
title like Voodoo Economics. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Bookstop find <laughs> all. And then you've got conditions this time. So authors.name equals Jenny James. And then you've got a join, which is authors. So there are many different ways that you can use this. And it's saying that this code, um, for someone who understands um, SQL, the conditions thing would make sense, perhaps. And it might be intuitive to a developer as well. But the joins one is not very clear. So if you're looking at the calling code and you see the last argument as symbol authors, like, what does that do? What does what does that mean? And so if we were to have syntax where it said something like books.find all, and then the symbol conditions, authors.name equals Jenny James, and then the symbol joins, um, and then leading to authors, it would be clearer to someone exactly what's going on and how you're constructing an SQL query. And we don't need to name this the, the, the required, in terms of the fluency of reading the method, we don't need to name the selector argument because we go books.find all or books.find first. It, it just reads quite easily. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we've got a case where we want to name two of the methods, but not all of them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to convert the conditions and joins parameters to a hash uh, and go from there. So this time we look uh, inside another version of the, the self.find method. And this time the arguments read selector and then comma hash equals, and then the default is an empty hash. And so later on in the in the method so it's the same method apart from every time we refer to joins or conditions it's accessing these values from the from the hash so we've got hash and then the key joins or equals an empty array so we're setting default value for that and then we've got hash with the key conditions or equals empty string so again setting the conditions mm-hmm. for that the default for that sorry if that's not set and then so we've got sql equals and then we start with the array that has the string select star from books and this time it says hash with the key joins dot each do join table we have the similar sh- statements that we shovel in so the left outer join and books dot join table and then towards the end of the method we've got sql we shovel in where hash then the key conditions, unless mm-hmm. hash conditions empty, and then we've got the the shovel in of limit one. So now, so this so this is more fluent now because we can see from reading it that okay, we've got conditions and joins, and then we use that to build up our SQL query. But where again, we come to this idea of what happens when we're looking at the class definition. I'm I'm done talking. <laughs> you 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 do this <laughs> bit now about the <laughs> okay. I'll gladly take this on. (laughs) So similar to our previous example, here we run into the same problem of having to look through the full method in order to know what the parameters are that we need to pass in for this to work. So the solution is, again, similar to the other one, where we are going to use introduce assertion. So we have a module assert valid keys, and here we have def assert valid keys, splat valid keys, and then in that method we have Unknown keys equals keys minus valid keys dot flatten. And then and valid keys is in an array. If unknown keys dot any question mark, we're gonna raise an argument error, and the error message will be unknown keys colon <laughs> the S the S is in parentheses. Uh, and then interpolating unknown keys dot join, and we're gonna join that with a comma and a space. So then we have hash dot send. And we are passing in the symbol include, comma, assert valid keys, which is our module. So this is monkey patting, right? Am I right? We are... I believe we so, because we're mm-hmm. modifying the hash class, mm. so... Mm. Yep. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> mm. So <laughs> so then in our... 
<laughs> the shade is so real. And so <laughs> then we have the the class books. Uh, and in our def self dot find, when we pass in selector comma hash equals empty hash, we can use our new assert valid keys method that we made by calling hash dot assert valid keys and we're passing in the symbol conditions and the symbol joins. Mm-hmm. And so the argument for doing it this way is that we get quick feedback on misspelled keys that we pass to the method. First of all, is this even true? Because I thought that if we so is it was the idea that we have that argument error message and like that's the thing that tells us. Because yes. I thought like in general one of the values of having a hash is oh wait, no, it's not it's it's like what is the method that we, we talked Fetch. about earlier in this book? Fetch, that's what it is. Okay. So the equivalent to, you know, this benefit is the benefit we would get by using something like fetch yeah so basically if we i, I think i get what you're saying um but yeah so, so let's assume we spelt condition with a k for example had a little typo it would immediately blow mm-hmm. up and go i don't recognize this con- specially spelt condition thing but how about conditions spelt normally so we'd get fast feedback on that you're saying we get fast feedback if we use the assert valid keys method we created or the dot fetch well, dot fetch gives you fast feedback in terms of when you use dot fetch on a hash and you don't have the key that you're fetching, it blows up. And actually often right. when I've been doing development, um, I've gotten into the habit of using dot fetch when I'm accessing things from a hash so that I get that fast feedback. Right, right. So actually I didn't think about that when reading this, but yeah, that's one way that people access methods from hashes. They do a fetch. In this example, it's saying that, you know, a benefit is like, if we misspell things, we'll know. But when I read that, I was thinking there's already a way to do that, which is the dot fetch method of doing that. And then the second benefit of doing it this way is that we get a declarative statement to communicate to any reader the expected parameters. But again, I still I still feel I, I feel exactly the way I felt in the first one where, yes, it's faster definitely to have hash dot assert valid keys right underneath the self dot find and it just lists conditions and joins and it specifically that sentence that method call reads like a sentence. It says assert valid keys conditions joins. But the way that it was originally written, it was def self.find selector and then passing in hash with a default empty hash. Right underneath that, it says we're calling hash joins or setting it to a default empty array or hash conditions and setting it to a default of empty string. So even though those two lines aren't the same very, you know, assertive, very declarative way of saying those are the parameters we care about, you can still read it and tell those are the parameters that we care about. So again, like, yes, it's a little bit better, but I feel like, I don't feel like it's that much better. Mm, yeah, I, I I agree. Especially again, since we have a dot fetch that, that catches, like to me, like the main value of it is the the misspelling, but we already have a way to handle that part of things. So. I guess, ooh, here's, here's one thing that maybe won't be as helpful with fetch is that it will blow up, but I don't think you can set the, I'm not sure you could set the error in the same way. So this gives you a mm-hmm. way to give a more specific helpful error message, I think. I could be mm-hmm. wrong on that, but that's that's what I suspect one of the advantages is. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on because we've done like half an hour. I just realized we're still the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so shall we now look at remove named parameter? 
So we've learned all about introducing them. Let's learn how to get rid of them. So this is the case where <laughs> so this is the case where we had this great fluency, but now it's just not worth the complexity uh, on the receiver. So we take a name parameter hash and we convert it into a standard parameter list. So you might have something that says ISBN search.new, the key ISBN, and then a string of numbers. And you might just change that to ISBN search.new taking in the string of numbers because it's pretty obvious that that string of numbers is an ISBN code. Mm -hmm. Especially for that class that says ISBN search. (laughs) Exactly. So yes, this is the case where when you do introduce name parameter, as you will have seen from the previous examples, we often then have one argument called params or options or hash. And we saw different efforts to help that um, obscurity. um, And we questioned those those whether how necessary they were, for example, when we had to do introduce class annotation or introduce assertion. But on the face of it, you know, it's not as easy to read. And sometimes, particularly if you've only got one or two arguments and where the the, the name of the method makes it pretty uh, straightforward to work out what's going on, then you don't need to have this complexity of a hash. And so we just want to get rid of of the name parameters. So the mechanics mm-hmm. of this, pretty straightforward, is choose the parameter that you want to remove uh, from the name parameter. And then in the receiving method, replace that named parameter with a standard parameter. So basically taking away the key. And then in the calling code, also take away the keys and just have a standard parameter list and then check that your test still pass. Um, so looking at an example. Um, so we go back to our books example. This time, though, we assume that all of the parameters have been implemented as named parameters and they are all optional. So this means that you can call the method in many different ways. You can do books.find, passing in nothing. Mm -hmm. You can do books.find, passing in selector and then all, conditions, and then authors.name equals Jenny James, joins, and then uh, passing in an array with authors inside. And you can have, again, another option where you call books.find, but this time the selector is first. So this has some issues. So for example, if you look at books.find, where you pass in no parameters, it's hard to work out what exactly is going to happen. So are you going to get one result? Are you going to get all results? I don't know. If you were to look at books.find, what do you think you'd get, Saron? Um, If I were to call books.find without any parameters, what would I expect? Mm, I think I would... Mm, I don't know. I think I would probably expect it to blow up, honestly. Because <laughs> it just looks... It looks wrong, it, right? <laughs> the, yeah, because it's, like, it, it's like an incomplete sentence. Like, I'm here to find books... Dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I if I went to, you know, a librarian with that, they would look at me and go, what books do you want? So I would just expect it to just look at me and, and be upset. Yeah, that or all of them, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. just, just, just everything, since you've given me nothing to go with. And if we do look through that method, so it's the same method from the previous example, then if you don't provide any parameters, then all books are going to be returned because... If you remember, there's a line in the method that says SQL equals select star from books, which is basically select all from books. And none of the other Mm -hmm. things that are shoveled in will get shoveled in. So it will just uh, return everything. So that's one problem. 
it's not clear what that find method does when you've got nothing passed to it. And the second problem is that this selector parameter is apparently unhelpful. It doesn't mean anything in SQL and a better name may be limit. Um, and so, yeah, it's better if we just remove it <laughs> since it's named poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first step to doing this is to, inside the method definition, is to introduce, first of all, the selector parameter on its own and separate it out from the hash, which we also then call as a second argument and set to a default empty hash. And so inside the the body of the method now, wherever we were previously calling hash selector, we now just change that to selector. So for example, the line that used to say SQL uh, shovel in limit one if hash selector, we now just say limit one if selector equals equals first. So pretty straightforward. And then we modify the calling code. So books.find uh, with no other arguments becomes books.find and then we pass in the symbol all. So it now becomes books.find all. And obviously the reason why we need to pass that in is that if we don't, the method will blow up as you suspected it would do, Saran, if you did if you store it like that the first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's remove named parameter. Cool. So the final method we're going to talk about is remove unused default parameter. Um, which I felt was was very straightforward. And I think is it's one of those helpful things where again you you would it, it wasn't like a you know mind blowing, oh my goodness, this is such a great solution, but it's one of those like, yeah, I I could forget to do this. And it's good to know that this has a name and this is a tool that I can use. So we are doing exactly what it sounds like we're doing, which is removing default parameters that we're not using. So an example of this is we might have a method called product count items that takes in a parameter search criteria with a default value of nil. And then in that method, we have criteria equals search criteria or at search criteria. And then we have product count item dot find all by criteria passing in criteria. And so the problem with this is it may have been a good idea when this method was first created to have a default value of nil just in case, but the reality is you would never use this without the search criteria. And so instead, we want to remove that default value and end up with def product count items passing in the parameter search criteria. And then we get to skip that conditional entirely and just go straight to the query that reads product count item dot find all by criteria passing in search criteria. And so by doing this, um, I think the the obvious thing is it looks a lot cleaner, a lot easier to understand. There's just, you know, we're removing lines of code and anytime we can do that um, is usually a good thing. And we also kind of clarify our intentions as well because we would not want anyone to use this method and and should not use this method without um, having criteria and the way the code is written now um, reflects that, reflects that expectation. So the way we would do that is first we would remove the default value and then we would remove the conditional logic and then we're done. (laughs) So (laughs) nice and simple and pretty straightforward. So we talked a lot about the remove named parameter, which is the second method that we discussed today. And we feel like it was something that we don't really do very often, uh, at least compared to introducing named parameters. So we want to know, do you find yourself often removing named parameters? And how do you decide when it's time to get rid of them? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.